Welcome to Doing CX Right, a podcast where we discuss how to differentiate brands by doing customer experience right. I'm your host, Stacey Sherman, an author, award-winning keynote speaker, and mentor passionate to help you humanize business and improve experiences to achieve real results. On today's episode, I'm speaking to Jim Knight, a best-selling author of Culture That Rocks and Leadership That Rocks. He has a very cool view about doing customer experience right that includes employee experiences and making them feel like rock stars. It also is about getting customers to love your brand so much, and as he calls it, tattoo worthy. Gotta love that phrase. We dive deep into how to make your company stand out by hiring the right people, asking the right questions, measuring success the right way, and amping up satisfaction through unprecedented leadership. Before we get started, I have one request. Please share this episode with others. Subscribe to Doing CX Right on your favorite podcast channel and leave me a review. It means so much. Now let's get on with the show. Hello, Jim Knight. Welcome to the Doing CX Right show. Thank you so much, Stacey. I'm honored to be here. I know we've been uh, trying to make this happen for a couple months, so thank you for having me on. They say patience is a virtue. It must be right. Yeah. <laughs> Who said that? I want to punch him in the mouth. I don't. I don't I, I'm too. <laughs> Who I'm too. Are they? Yeah. Where are they? I'm too impatient. <laughs> they, the famous they. Well, forget about they. Let's get to you. What do you do professionally? Well, now I uh, I sort of have a, a couple things that are always on the stove. For the most part, I make my living as a keynote speaker. Um, like you, I like to get out there and talk and spread the wealth and try and impact and influence others. So speaker is probably my number one. I'm an author. I have two books out, one on culture and one on leadership. I'm also a podcaster. Um, I do that with one of my rock star business partners. And we talk about leadership advice. But I also do book marketing. So I have a book marketing company. I have this awesome book mm. uh, app where we are matching people instead of like online dating, matching them with other people. We're matching them with books. I have a certified training program. Uh, you know, what don't I do should be the question, Stacey. <laughs> do you sleep? I, I do sleep. Uh, I'm pretty good at getting four to five hours a night. Uh, every once in a while, I'll sleep in and get six. But, uh, you know... You know how it is in the mm. entrepreneur lifestyle. We are we are constantly grinding. Yes, I uh, I, I I've heard. <laughs> um, so tell me your why. Why are you so passionate about all these different topics, especially leadership? Because we know that that fuels everything in business. It does. Well, I would say mostly because of my background is really what set the stage for my why. And so I've learned from some of my good friends over the years, you don't actually discover your why, you choose it. And, uh, you know, along the way, I probably figured out that I was I was mediocre at a lot of things, but I had probably one strength I could hold an audience's attention. So I probably would go back and think when I was in high school, you know, I was in chorus, I was in music. That was sort of my my background. I thought I was going to be a professional singer. I actually did go to college and get a degree in music performance and education. But while I was there, I discovered to make a living, you actually had to be good. So I changed careers. Um, again, that's where the mediocrity set in. I was okay, but I wasn't awesome. I wasn't a monster where I thought I could make a lot of money. So I became a middle school teacher. 
And so when you think about those two things, music performance, being in front of people, middle school teacher for six years again, being in front of other people and teaching a curriculum. Then I ran training for 21 years for Hard Rock International. So opening up Hard Rock cafes and hotels and casinos and live music venues all over the world with brand new people who didn't know anything about Hard Rock. Now, again, all of that gets into your bones. So hospitality, music, education, I just want to sandwich those together and uh, have parlayed it into a career now that what I'm doing as a speaker in front of so many different industries is probably, knock on wood, is what I'm going to do the rest of my life. So my why, I just chose uh, to, to do the one thing I thought that I am a rock star on. I'm as close to being a rock star as I can get being in front of people. So that's that's my mm. why, and uh, I'm not looking back. Yeah, well, you clearly have gone forward very fast. And Thank you. I imagine that there's a student experience that you had to clearly provide. And the listeners who are following the rock stars and the restaurants, you know, there's a whole mishmash of, I guess you'd say, customers and personas. Yeah. Tell me, what have you learned most when you think about, reflect all of those different array of customers, what is there a key learning that stands out to you? Oh, yeah. And you alluded to it in the last question around leadership. I mean, I would say there's really two things. I have seen now, because I, I, I thought when I left Hard Rock, when I you know, really took the springboard to jump off to do this, it's been about 10 years now, I thought that I'd be predominantly speaking in front of the world that I grew up in. It would be food and beverage, a little bit of retail, hospitality. But most of my speaking engagements now are outside of that. It's far from it. It's real estate and insurance and banking and funeral directors are my number one clients. So I start to think, what in the world does everybody sort of have in the same focus, whether it's a pain point, whether it's the thing that makes the difference, which is really what your question is about. And I've seen that it's really two things that it's not about the stuff. It's not about the thing that you sell, whatever that product is, whatever the widget is, it's not about that. And yet I still see a lot of people focusing on that. They miss that it's the human, it's the human experience. You know, you talk about customer experience, but that starts really with the employee experience. Like if you can get the humans to do the things that you need them to do, and sometimes you might have to play some Jedi mind tricks on a couple of them. But for the most part, you hope like heck that you hired the right one to can actually bring something spectacular to the table. When that experience is created, that makes all the difference in the world. All the rest of this stuff is just really expensive window dressing, I think. So I, I think I've learned that regardless of the industry or the company and regardless of what state, they could be brand new a year in or they could be a legacy brand and, and they've been around for 60, 70 years. That end result for the customer, that experience has to absolutely rock people's face off. So I start with that. But I think to your question again, the leadership piece, somebody has to manage all that. Somebody's got to motivate, inspire, reward, recognize, love on people enough so that they stay with you longer because there is a direct correlation that I've seen between turnover and sales. You get people to stay with you a little bit longer 
you're going to produce better results. So from a leadership standpoint, you really have to focus on how do I create this crazy, awesome, professional culture and get my people to stay with me longer? If I just focus on those things, all the rest of the stuff falls into place. So it's sort of a twofold answer to your, your question. I think that service, the the experience that has to be created should be like priority number one. And that's only going to happen from leadership. So it's those two areas in my opinion, are going to outweigh everything else. You talk about making a brand tattoo-worthy. Yes. I love that (laughs) phrase. What does that mean, first of all? Yeah, you know, uh, anybody could do this. You could go onto Google and just, uh, you know, put in companies or brand logos on people's bodies, on tattoos, whatever it is, and you will see some crazy stuff out there. And, you know, I was very lucky. I When I was growing up, and, and I'm probably a little bit older than you are, Stacey, I think I remember the only people that ever had tattoos were people that were in jail or they were in the Navy. It was like sailors and convicts, and that was it. And then something happened probably about 25, 30 years ago. People were getting inked up more than ever before. And I was lucky to work for a company like Hard Rock that allowed you to have tattoos and piercings and mohawks and all that stuff. And it was a cool thing. Now there are so many companies doing it, predominantly because all the humans are doing it. Almost everybody you know is going to have some tattoo on them. But it's rare when you see somebody that actually puts a company logo on their body. And some of them are customers. They've just fallen madly in love with the brand that they spend their money. And some of them are team members. They're employees. And it blows my mind that somebody would do that for all time. And so what started happening, I ran a, uh, a corporate university when I was at Hard Rock called Rock 101. Every company, by the way, does this now. When you onboard somebody, they go through this sort of basic training. And it was the stuff that you would think, how do you hire people? How do you uh, do an interview? How do you handle guest complaints? How do you read a PL? Blah, 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 blah. Very tactical, practical type stuff. But we would also teach other things like the power of the brand and philanthropy is instrumental and music appreciation, like stuff you could not get anywhere else. And so something would happen to these managers. This was a leadership conference, by the way. Some of them would go out to get tattoos together, which completely blew my mind. Like that was a thing you'd go out. It was a team building. Some of them, it was their very first tattoo. And a couple of them would get the Hard Rock logo. And they'd be so surprised to show me in the morning. They'd get the Hard Rock Cafe on their shoulder or Hard Rock Hotel on their calf muscle. And they're like, look what I did last night. And I would think, dude, that never comes off. You know that, right? What are you doing? But here's the cool thing. They, they always responded with something like, yeah, man, I'm, I'm in it for the long haul. I've interviewed for the last time in my life. And so I started to think more about this. And the brand, the marketing department was already focusing on this quite a bit and sharing, you know, tattoos out there of the Hard Rock logo on people. And and we discovered that it's really the mark of somebody who's committed. They are all in. And when an employee tells you that's it, I've marked myself, I've branded myself forever, it's perfect. Because I'm also going, geez, you're unemployable everywhere else now, which is great for me. But it does rock my world that somebody would go and do that. And customers are doing it. So when I talk about being tattoo worthy, and I would do this from the stage or even in a virtual keynote session, I think if you can position your brand to be tattoo worthy, that you're so awesome in the experience that you're going to provide, that somebody is going to have a love affair with you so much that they're willing to put ink on their body for all time, that's when you know you've won. That is the ultimate win, in my opinion, internally or externally. 
Wow. <laughs> so people are listening. I'm sure they're saying, wow, they're scratching their heads. <laughs> yeah, yes. What does it take? What does it take? What did Hard Rock do right and other brands that you see that would make someone even think to do it? Even if they don't execute on the tattoo, but they really actually think about it. Yeah. What, what does that look like? What are the formula to that? Well, we alluded to it earlier, um, and I think in the world that that you s- spend a lot of time, it's the overall experience. So I'll go back again. I think you certainly have to do things like have an awesome product, whatever it is. The environment has to be fantastic. And I'm talking about the lighting and the music and the cleanliness and yeah, 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 all of that stuff. You've got to make sure that you've got tools and processes and and internally the right forms and and growth programs. And yes, 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 do all that. But at the end of the day, the end user, the consumer, the guest, the customer, whatever we want to call those people, the clients, they've got to feel like I am seen, I am heard, you've created a positive, memorable experience for me that I'm never going to forget. You know, and it's the old Maya Angelou quote, right? It's not how, you know, the thing that you provided, it's how you made me feel. And so if you can create moments like that, and by the way, this is not easy. Like the stuff I talk about, is probably the hardest thing that some CEO or general manager of some one-off location, it's probably the hardest thing they're ever going to do because it's it requires humans, you know? And, and people come with baggage. They come with a lot of baggage because they've got this cool thing called free will. They're going to do what they want to do anyway. So you hope like heck that you actually hire rock stars, which is the ultimate answer to your question. If I can, and it's tough, but you've got to put some rigor, some real meat behind the interviewing processes. Focus on the cool collateral, the recruiting stuff you're going to do. But when they're sitting in front of you, you got to make sure that you probably have multiple interviews with multiple leaders asking different questions to get to the ultimate nut, the stereotypical employee that you need that's going to bring the thunder when it comes to the customer. And so if you mess up on that, And by the way, there's going to be some that can't do all of that. They're going to be fantastic soldiers. Not everybody's going to be a rock star. You know, I I use the analogy of you two. They can't all be Bonos. You know, they can't all be the edge. Those are the two most famous. We need some some Adams and Larrys. We need some Adam Claytons and Larry Mullen Juniors. We need people that are probably a little bit in the backdrop who can still do the things we need them to do. But the more rock stars that you can populate your business with, you're going to get to the promised land. In my opinion, it's the only way that you can truly get to nirvana is by having these awesome people. So you've got to be on the hunt looking for them. And when they're sitting in front of you, do everything in your power to make sure, yep, this person's going to bring it every day. They're going to have some bad days, but on par, they're going to bring something spectacular that's going to create memories for people. And so I, Mm -hmm. I think this is where a lot of companies make a mistake. They're focusing on the wrong thing. They're focusing on the amount of money that they spent on the physical building and the product and the stuff and all that. They miss the secret sauce. It's human behavior, which is, by the way, mm-hmm. learned human behavior. People learn everything. You and I and everybody on your audience right now, they are not born to act a certain way. They learn everything from their parents, from school, from their friends, from the playground, from religion, from lack of religion. By the time you come to me, Stacey, as like a 21-year-old wanting a job, you are the way you are. And if your natural disposition isn't to, you know, smile at people and have a good personality, (laughs) you're a problem for me. You're of no use to me unless I find a place somewhere in the back where no one will ever talk to you, which is highly unlikely. 
I need people that need to be around other people. And so I, I know as we get into AI and technology and robotics, I think cultures are going to change a little bit. But right now, the, the businesses, for the most part, are predicated on awesome learned human behavior. The more that a CEO or just a, a frontline manager can get to that, they're going to get to the promised land pretty quick. Well, let's talk about, you said humans, which is obviously we're, we're all people going through a human experience. Yes. And yet we do know that data is important. How do you actually amp up, to quote you, I love those words, yes. amp up <laughs> your results, meaning satisfaction? Yeah. How, how do you measure? How do you bring the data into the human component? Yeah, I'll start with this mindset that these companies, I think that have a lot of fun, you know, in, in the brand that I worked in and everything that I talk about now is about edutainment. You've got to have not just the the educational piece. There's got to be some entertainment as well. So, you know, that's a mashup word. Uh, I think quite a bit in these terms, even a company like Hard Rock or Starbucks in a lot of ways, Mod Pizza, sometimes Chick-fil-A, they operate in the gray a lot when it comes to the experience because people have this empowerment where they can make these decisions. But your question is really valid because I still believe in metrics. I believe the more metrics, the better. I want to know if we're winning or losing. And so it, when you put a white hot spotlight on things, stuff matters. Things get done. What gets measured gets done. So tactically, when you're asking, I would make it absolutely priority number one. My orientation and training, if the experience is important to me, that's predominantly what I'm going to focus on. I'm going to talk about the purpose and the mission and the values and all the rules and what you can and can't do and all of that. But I'm going to focus more on my time saying, here's the end result for the customer. You make that priority number one swing in coming right out of the gate. You put it in the job description. You measure it in the performance discussions, not just the performance appraisals that I do one time a year to fill out the form, to go in the file, to get more money because HR told me to. Like, I want to have one-on-one -on -one conversations with people on a regular basis, and that might take... 10 minutes, once a month. But I am crystal clear as to what I'm supposed to be working on because my boss talks to me all the time. So then when I actually do get measured and I get rewarded and recognized and bonus or promoted, like that's a key component of it. If you don't have any of that in there and it's just laissez-faire and geez, I hope we get better and then you get all upset because some customer survey result comes back and it's not that great. Well, if you're not measuring it, if you're not making it a part of the regular metrics, then shame on you. It's your fault as a leader. So I would absolutely make that mission number one. And again, I'll take a step back and say, you know how you get there? You hire rock stars who have this unbelievable thirst to, to have a great work ethic. Those rock stars are going to do it anyway. Like in lieu of leadership, they're just going to bring it. But yes, there's a role for leaders, for those that are in the middle. Because, you know, you don't have to worry about the ones at the top. You're constantly focused on the ones at the bottom, which is the wrong thing to do. You ought to focus all of your energy on the ones in the middle and get them to suck up to the rock star status. So those people need to be led. They need to be motivated and inspired and reminded about the metrics that we're looking for. But the more that you can mm -hmm. hire rock stars instead of lip sinkers and, and not put people that are just sort of going through the motions beside me, I got a better chance of getting to Nirvana. Mm. Well, when someone is hiring and recruiting and you say hire rock stars, who are they? What should be part of their description when they're looking? 
Yeah, I think it's up to the brand. I mean, I use rock stars because, you know, I've used every iteration of rock and roll you could think of. You know, that music orientation, band and brand analogies, that just, that runs deep in my DNA. But if people want to use the word top talent, I think they know what they're looking for. But sometimes the horse is out of the barn. They're already down the path. The business is so big. It takes forever to come back and redo and clean up all of their collateral. But if you could start at the beginning and say, what is it that we want to hire? Because all of the things will lead to that then. How we do our orientation and our training and our communicating and our rewards and our recognition down to the job descriptions and performance appraisals. This is the human resource in me coming out because that's what I reported up through. I think these rock stars, you have to, number one, know where they hang out. Where are they? Are, are they perhaps outside of the industry that you're even looking for? You know, a lot of times we're just, we're, we're shuffling people back and forth between like businesses, but perhaps they're outside in a different area. I think about tour guides. I think about improv actors. I think about hanging out sometimes in tar, uh, tattoo parlors. I go to rock shows. I look at people that want flexibility. They want to, they want to work with live music at night, but they'd be an awesome employee during the day. What about veterans? What about people coming out of jail? There are brands now that are focusing on people that have been incarcerated. And let me tell you, you give somebody a job, I mean, again, a little bit nervous for some people, and, and maybe there's some baggage with them. But for the most part, you know what you give with them? Loyalty, because somebody gave them a chance that nobody else would. So I would go down mm -hmm. a laundry list of, of potentially people that are outside the sea of sameness. So that's where I think rock stars could be. But then you still got to put all of that rigor that I talked about in how you recruit, how you interview, how you ultimately hire, and just look for the top talent and 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 don't settle for it. I am begging brands to to suck it up and leave the position open a little bit longer to get the right person. And believe me, I'm an experiential starved consumer. Me personally, Jim Knight, I am on the hunt for people to do anything different with me. When I go to eat, drink, shop, stay, play, whatever it is, I'm looking for different. You give me same old, same old vanilla ice cream, it's just not going to cut it anymore. People need a little bit of chocolate mm. in their life, and I'm willing to spend some money to get that. I can't be the I only one. I also, no, absolutely not. I would say I also like to infuse questions in the interview process to really test for... Trust is a huge one. Sure. And you give them examples and scenarios and have them explain and demonstrate without having to say directly, I'm trustworthy, I'm customer-centric. Yeah. And that's a science and an art, the questioning. It is totally an art form. In fact, it's one of those things. I, I believe that Doing role plays and practicing to interview people is one of the greatest skill sets you could ever do. So that corporate university that I talked about, we will spend an entire day on that. Giving them the, the hour of here's the things you should do, that's one thing. But the actual role play of practicing on each other before you actually practice with real humans you're going to bring on board, it is absolutely an art form. And Great human resource professionals will obviously teach you how to ask open-ended. You're talking about behavior-based questions. What would you do if, and you can put them in hypothetical situations. I'm even willing to ask them cultural questions. I want to know, what's, what's the last rock concert that they went to? What's your favorite artist? Now, in my world, that's perfect. I, not every company would do that. But what are some culturally relevant questions that I don't care how much they've prepared for. They could be a professional interviewer. They're not prepared to answer that. And so I see a lot of things. Are they even music fans? 
Have they ever been to a rock concert before? Can they eloquently talk about something they were not prepared? That's why tour guides and these improv actors, like I love people that have the wherewithal that can that can spin on a dime and give you an answer. And so I think when you're asking these type of questions, and again, I said this earlier, multiple interviews, multiple interview guides with different questions. Interview number two is going to be completely different than interview number one, but somewhere along the line, I'm going to ask them some questions that they probably aren't prepared for. And by the time we're all said and done, we can look at each other as leaders and go, yep, I'm willing to take a chance on this person. Most mm -hmm. of the time, somebody shows up, they're doing the whole breathe on the mirror. You got a pulse. Yep, you're going in because somebody's got to make the donuts. And as a leader, you can't every day feel like you're rolling up your sleeve and you're doing all the work mm -hmm. on your own and you fill the position. You make silly, stupid, short-term decisions and it comes back to haunt you. You create a vicious environment that sometimes takes eons to get out of. That's why I say suck it up, leave it open a little bit longer, use the art form that you talked about of interviewing because that is so critical. And when you hire the rock star, then on the back end, you got to do everything in your power to love on them, to get them to stay with you longer. Those two errands mm. of the employee life cycle, super critical. So I want to share a tip going back to the data conversation. Something I love to do and recommend is while you're measuring customer satisfaction, you also obviously will can apply the same. If you use NPS, for example, you can mm -hmm. do an internal NPS score. But then don't stop there. You marry the external customer and the internal customer down to your local yeah. sales office or frontline staff and back office. And that's, you could really see the synergy to what we're talking about because when that local team is unhappy, the results transfer. Oh, of over course. to the customer. Absolutely. I, I used to do this all the time along those lines. I would look at the top 10 restaurants or top 10 cafes in not just engagement, the ones that were producing year-on-year -year results. So I'm not talking about they were hitting budget. You know, budget, that's a one-time year number. I would like to hit that as well because that's probably how you get bonus. But the ones that had a trajectory that were constantly going up, every year they were doing better than the year before. That doesn't happen by accident. But if you go look at the me metrics, they happen to be the ones that had the lowest rolling 12 turnover. And again, the only way you get people to stay with you is to spend all this time and energy in developing them, growing them, put in a mentorship program, looking them in the eye, knowing about their hopes and fears, caring about them as a person, throwing your arms around them. That's why people stay. And so if you can get them to stay with you longer, that's a direct correlation to constantly producing sales. So I, I'm 100%, again, the more metrics, the better. I wouldn't totally focus on just that because I think they all tell a story, just like a profit and loss statement. You can look at a PL, it is all about the past. But if you look at it the right way, it'll tell a story. It'll be like that thing in aliens jumping up on your face. You'll be able to see right away what do I need to do in the future to fix whatever the issue was. But again, this is all predicated on human behavior. I'm going to forever go back to that because I've just learned over the years all the other stuff is just tactical and practical. It's not enough. Do you believe that employees need to be linked to the customer satisfaction metrics? Totally. I know this is a debatable topic, but... Yeah, who's debating view? that? I, of course. Like I said, what gets measured gets done. You've got to put that stuff in place. If you don't make it important, if it's not measured in any way... Well, then what's the point? You may as well be rolling the dice in period 12, hoping like heck you get to hit a number. 
You know, and, and then it's just a shock. It's a surprise when you actually do or don't hit it. And it's just not that important to the employee. I, I absolutely believe team members have to be tied to that. Now, I know you use the word bonus, but it could be anything tied to that in pay, performance discussions, promotability, but for sure, extra money. Yeah. And, and if that's important to you as a business, as a leader, why wouldn't you do it? And, and sometimes mm. somebody has inherited the business where somebody didn't do it. It wasn't started at the beginning from the founders and they feel like they don't have any say-so. And they do. I think if people are honest with themselves, if they sit back from the table, not be caught in the thick of the day-to-day, if they could sit back and just think strategically for a second and go, what's most important? Oh, yeah, bringing something awesome to the customer. Well, we've got we've got a tie performance to that. If not, then it's a crapshoot and you can't complain. When, when there's no leadership, people are going to fill in the blanks and do what they want to do anyway. Like I said, it's free will until you start to impose some things that are important to you. And all of it goes back to being that tattoo-worthy brand. That's right. That's right. Let's go get tattoos so, today, Stacey. <laughs> <laughs> and which brand will it be? Hmm. I, I, what What would you say to that? What, that's just well, a good question. If you could put one brand... Who would it be? Hmm, that's a great question. I guess it wouldn't be fair to say my own brand. Uh, no, that's not fair. Yeah. You know, I probably have a love affair with uh, Chick-fil-A probably more than anything else. They're just doing so many great things. But would that be worthy enough? I'd probably put uh, like a band, like something I grew up, Genesis, Rush, Yes, mm. um, Journey, something like that would probably be a little bit more if I was to put a a brand or a band on my body, but mm-hmm. uh, who has completely crushed it for me? I know there are some companies out there right now that a lot of their companies like Rackspace, uh, you know, that, that's an, a back office server company, yet there are people putting brand logos on their body. It just blows my mind. Chick-fil-A, maybe there because I spend, you know, so much money there. I'm there three times a week. I got a problem right now eating chicken sandwiches all day. <laughs> Well, that is such a fun question, I have to say. And you know what? A band is fair to say because a band is a brand. That's right. And they're delivering a, you know, an audience experience. Totally. My God, without fans, you've got no one. That's right. Exactly. Look, look at you coming around. That's awesome. (laughs) I dig it. Yes. I learned from the best. Yeah. Well, As we are going to conclude here, I have two final questions. So one, if you had one takeaway, if listeners only remember one thing today, what would you want them to remember? Imagine that there are CEOs and leaders and entrepreneurs in my room right now listening. Yeah. What do you want them to remember? Well, I would probably say the same thing if I was on stage, almost regardless of whatever the topic is. The experience deliverer matters most. And I know I've alluded to that earlier. I just think a single person who can bring the thunder when it comes to an experience, they're the ones that are going to make the difference. So if I was in front of a a room full of CEOs, I'd say, yes, keep doing all the other tactical things that are important. That sets the stage. But the deliverer, the rock star, the the, the ones that are absolutely going to produce these positive, memorable experiences, that's the most important. So you might have to shift your energy. You might have to spend a little bit more time and effort and money and rigor and all the stuff that I talked about. The absolute single person that can bring something spectacular to the table, they're the ones that are going to make the difference for the brand. They will help perpetuate the company for all time. 
That would probably be my mm. singular message. Mm. I love it. And last one, a fun one. If you could go back in time and speak to your younger 20-year-old self, what would you tell younger Jim that you didn't know then that you know now? Oh, man. I would say, uh, you know, I was, if I had 20-year-old self, yeah. So I was a trainer. Um, I was one of these guys that followed the rules implicitly. I was a company guy. I showed up with a briefcase. You know, I was a hardcore trainer. And I think maybe don't focus so much on the rules and the procedures. Like, those are important. Um, I would say maybe a little bit broader. Just focus on the values. Get that part right. But focus on the experience. The stuff that we now talk about, I think in service of rocking people's face off, if I could get people to just do that versus hear the things that you have to work within or else you're going to get fired or something's going to happen. Most of those rules and procedures are in place uh, because somebody did something silly a long time ago. And, and not that rules are made to be broken. I'm just a big believer. If it isn't broke, break it anyway. See if you can figure out a way to make it a little bit better. So if I could go back to myself, I'd say, don't be such a hardcore trainer. Like have a little bit more fun. Think about the totality of the experience um, and, and parlay that over to the people that you're responsible for. Uh, that that's probably mm. if I had to think right off the cuff, that would be my my one thing to myself. Mm. And and maybe let your hair get higher. Can't see, but I got that. <laughs> <laughs> start earlier. Oh, I love it. I start earlier. It's never too late. Let's that's say right. that. Well, where can people find you? I know they're going to want to. I'm going to put the links in the show notes, but what's the best way to connect? Oh, awesome. Thank you for that opportunity. Um, I would say for the most part, all roads lead to my website, which is Night Speaker. So my last name, K-N-I-G-H-T, nightspeaker.com. People can see everything there, the books, the podcasts. Um, if you do like podcasts, I mean, obviously, since you're listening right now, uh, the one that I do with my rock star business partner, Brant Menswar, is called Thoughts That Rock. Uh, we basically only ask two questions. What's the best piece of leadership advice you've ever been given and how did that change your life? We've had some pretty big mm. celebrities on there and it just sort of takes on a life of its own. Um, so that's those are probably the two main areas to, to get a hold of. And I will say our new company called Buki Call, which is, again, we took the uh, the psychology of online dating, like eHarmony and Match, and you fill out a profile if you're a reader at all, and we match you to books that you would like, and the algorithm gets smarter all the time. So we've got about 250,000 people that have downloaded the thing, and it's just blowing up like, like crazy town. So Buki Call is a pretty fun app if they're interested in something like that. Fantastic. I'm going to check it out myself as a reader. So thank you for all of that. Thank you for being here and being so awesome. And uh, I'm going to be thinking about that tattoo, at least yes. <laughs> not putting it on my body, but I'm going to think about who I would who if would I did. <laughs> yes. And I think you could ask that of anybody. That might be an ongoing question for you from now on. I it, love it. it. It is you ignited it. So thank you. <laughs> I had a lot of well, fun. Thank you so much, Stacey, for having me on the show. Oh, thank you. We'll talk to you soon. Rock on. Thank you so much for joining today. I hope you will apply the lesson shared and also requesting if you would leave a review on Apple, it would mean a lot. Head over to doingcxright.com to learn more ways to connect with me and improve your CX. Until next time, I'm Stacey Sherman, Doing CX Right. <laughs>